hold on to me as we go as we roll down this unfamiliar road and although this wave is stringing us along just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your Good morning, Hamilton, and welcome to the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. My name's Rick Samperin, in studio with a cast of characters not named Rob Golfie or Philip Golfie, if you can believe it. We have Dan Golfie for the first time ever. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm a longtime listener, first time attending. Very much uh, welcome to have you on board, and it's uh, exciting that another Golfie has joined the fray. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots out there, right? There's lots out there. We have more. Yeah, we have more to choose from that yeah. uh, we can bring on the show. Lou Tallarico, that was the other voice you heard. How are you, Lou? Yeah, very good. Thanks for having good. me again. Thanks for coming back. And Jesse Mello also with us as well. Jesse, good morning. How are you? Good. Happy to be here. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, it, it, and you know what? It's a new era uh, on the Hamilton Real Estate Show when we can invite uh, a new guest like Dan Golfie. It's 2020. There's a lot of new things to talk about. Of course, those three fine gentlemen are sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. You can head on online and check out the all-new robgolfie.com. It's a great website, lots of listings, uh, your bios are up there. How do you feel about your bios? Do you like them? i got to update mine. Do you really? I think I, <laughs> oh, last no. time I did was, I don't know, 2013 when okay. I first started. So some new uh, items to add. How yeah. about you guys? You're big fans? I like the videos. Yeah, the, the video is pretty good. I mean, uh, those are always something that you should uh, update as well. I yes. did it about a year ago. It's, it's okay. but You yeah, don't look that much things. different, though. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse, how yeah, about you? Video's good, but I got to go, uh, do a once-over on the bio. It's, it's been a while. Okay. So. All right. So you guys uh, have some updating to do. That's okay. 905-575-7700 is the phone number to call, whether you're buying or listing a home in Hamilton, Burlington, Niagara, obviously a popular place, all three, in fact. 905-575-7700. They're all over social media. Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. At Rob Golfie is what you want to search out. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Past episodes on robgolfie.com and 900chml.com. If you have a question for the Golfie team, email questions at robgolfie.com. Again, that's questions at robgolfie.com. This may be the program where, we have, where we're going to try to stuff in the most topics as possible. Uh, we'll get to some of the uh, statistics that have gone by from the Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington. Also talk about a new tep com- a tech company that has chosen uh, Hamilton, of all places, for a new 10,000 square feet office. And uh, we'll also talk about when the best time is to sell your house. Uh, we talked about this, I think, a, a couple of programs ago. The Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington uh, releasing their uh, December statistics for 2019. And uh, basically, we are still uh, moving up in terms of home prices, a lot of homes are being sold. Um, just give me maybe a, a couple of thoughts on 2019 and maybe some thoughts on 2020. Lou, do you want to start here? Yeah, sure, uh, Rick. You know, it was obviously a good year, uh, 2019 for uh, Hamilton Real Estate. Uh, everyone who has property uh, would see uh, those that sold saw uh, an increase overall average jump. Um, highest probably in, in a number of years, around 15%. Mm-hmm. Besides the whole boom we had the one year in 2016, sure. 2017. 2017, yeah. So things are, are heating up again in Hamilton, and we project that 2020 be uh, a solid year as well. So, yeah, good news on the stats front. Yeah. Uh, Dan, uh, Jesse, you want to jump in here on, on how you felt 2019 went for you guys? Uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great year. 
I think that 2020 is uh, going to be a struggle coming out of the gate. There's a really lack of inventory right now mm-hmm. uh, in the marketplace. We're starting to see properties sell, you know, multiple offers, you know, 20 plus offers I've seen. I actually saw in Brampton, I think it was 150 offers wow. on a property and it sold for over 200000 over asking. Now they did list it at an aggressive low price, but right. just mm-hmm. to see the lack of inventory and 150 people bring, bring forth an offer, right? I could have imagined how many people actually went through the house, Yeah. right? Wow, that's insane. Yeah, and it just shows you the uh, demand that's out there right now. The first week of January, I got into a multiple offer scenario and um, there was 14 offers on the property, just on a little uh, bungalow here on the mountain. Um, so it just goes to show you that, you know, lack of inventory mixed with high demand, you're going to have rising prices, of course, and lots of competition. So, so really, Rick, what's happening is that in terms of overall increase in prices, they're going, you're going to see a continued increase. Last year was around 15%. We could probably see that as well. But to Dan's point, there's not a lot of inventory. So the actual number of sales units may be kind of struggling to get above that of, mm-hmm. of 2019 because of lack of inventory. Now that could change as we get into the spring market with more inventory uh, on the on the horizon. But right now there's definitely a lack of inventory. Yeah. But to Jesse's it, point right now, if there's 22 offers that came in on that property, there's now 21 other buyers out there ready to, to look purchase, for something purchase, else, right? Yeah. Right. So yeah. uh, anybody on the mountain right now looking to sell. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you get your listing up. Uh, we, we've talked about bungalows on this show for yep. uh, for several months. It seems to be the trend for the older demo and and maybe the millennial who doesn't want a lot of uh, house to look after. Are you seeing bungalows still rising? You know, to the, the cream of the crop in terms of the wish list for people out there. Yeah, absolutely. We um, you know, we touched on this last time that actually I was here. And right now, just the, the, it's the perfect storm for the demographic. There's just so many people who are looking to downsize and mm-hmm. find something that's a little bit lower maintenance. And millennials now want smaller homes. I think we're going to touch on this later, but um, you know they're a little bit easier to maintain. Everything's on one floor, so bungalows are still the uh, you know there's the fewest inventory and the most demand for them. Given that, can we see the price of bungalows skyrocket? Maybe not even in 2020, but just going forward as the years progress, they'll steadily go up. That's kind of what, what I'm predicting. What I've seen. And, of course, the issue is that we're not building a lot of new bungalows, right? right? All we're building, as you see, is a lot more three stories, kind of like the polar opposite of a mm-hmm. bungalow. So that's going to create a little bit more pressure on on the price of the current bungalows in the market or the ones that are going to be selling soon. Right. Yeah. So if you have – sorry to interrupt, but if you have a bungalow and you're not really in the market to move – but you see the prices going up, and I'm sure some people are enticed to sell because they want to cash in. Would it be advantageous or a little more advantageous to hold on just a little bit more because they know that demand is still going to be there and maybe even higher than ever before? It all depends really on your, your own situation, right? right. If, you're, you know, if you don't need to move, you know, they're not going to make that, that step forward and just throw their house on the market to, mm-hmm. to you know, cash in on a, on a hot market. I think those bungalow values will continue to rise. Uh, with an aging demographic, and especially like Jesse was saying, with our generation, the younger generation coming in, we're not necessarily always looking for a specific type of house. You know, it's whatever house comes available, and if it is a bungalow that does come up, we'll jump on that. Right? Yeah. It's not necessarily waiting for you know a larger a larger home. Yeah. Do you ever uh, find that, and you probably have found the situation where uh, you have a potential buyer who's looking for a bungalow, but w- can be, I guess, talked into or might look at a two-story and say, you know what, two-story isn't that bad. Or is it more the reverse? They're looking for two-story and think, you know what, maybe the bungalow is the way to go. Yeah, and no, I think there's there's both uh, going on right now. But first-time buyers will definitely have more options because they're not 
obviously needing to go into bungalow for, right. you know, the stairs and avoid the stairs, that type of issue that some of the older generation yeah, will look at. Yeah. So, yeah, we can convince them to go into a two-story or even a three-story um, on the price points that they need to mm-hmm. be at. So that 350 to 450, 500 range, very hot, whether it's a bungalow or a two-story right. for the first-time buyer and that generation. It's just getting into the market really, right? They're not looking, you know, for a specific type of house. Right. Unless you have, you know, a growing family where you need four bedrooms, you need two stories and you have that finished basement, right? But right now, first time home buyers, they're just getting into the market. Yeah. And those first time home buyers don't have probably a lot of leverage in terms of what they can choose from. You're talking about a retiree, you know, they've they've done their career, they probably got a lot of savings, uh, you know, they're 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 looking at their retirement, they want to downsize, but they can pick and choose what they want as opposed to a first time home buyer, they might be locked into a, sp- a specific kind of segment because they don't have that purchasing power. Yeah. That'd be safe to say? All right. Yes. I nailed that one. Uh, uh, 2018 to 2019, in terms of uh, the number of sales, we're just looking at the number of sales. Uh, the Mountain, very popular still. Uh, Hamilton Center growing. Hamilton East rising. Hamilton West higher. Um, whether you're on the mountain or the lower city, those numbers continue to escalate. So there's per- people out there that want to you know, buy in this city. Yeah. It's pretty exciting to see. There's no question. Like I said, 2019 was a great year for real estate. Um, we, we continue to see, obviously... Pressure on, again, those ones that are in that 450, mm-hmm. that first-time buyer range, 400 to 600 range. Uh, the ones that are a little higher, you know, the million-dollar ones, they take a little longer to sell. Yeah but really brought up by the uh, the number of sales in that, uh, in that yeah. lower price range. And Hamilton has a good range as well. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, you might be looking in the East End, might be looking downtown. Uh, if you're moving to house number two or three and have a little more cash, you might be looking on the mountain or uh, maybe Ancaster, Burlington, if you have a little more cash to spend. So there's a lot of options here, isn't there? Yeah. There is, and and going off what you said, we have like a a little big city sort of, you know, so everywhere is a good option, really. I mean, we're we're a 15-minute drive from, you know, the the core of Hamilton if we want to get our entertainment downtown, if we want to retreat back to our little houses in Ancaster or or, uh, the mountain and and have a little bit more privacy, you can do that. So in terms of uh, the numbers and the sales... It, really, you can't go wrong anywhere in Hamilton these days with uh, with the way things are going. Mm-hmm. And again, we've talked about this many times, but the Toronto buyers still seem to love Hamilton as an alternative to what they see, again, as overinflated prices in that market. Yeah. So we're continuing to see people from Toronto coming into our city and uh, and gobbling up some of the real estate. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing at all. Uh, speaking of that, there is uh, an international firm that is looking to uh, Hamilton and is actually going to be setting up shop here. Uh, it is called Q4 Inc. It provides software and investor relations support for about 2,200 of the world's biggest companies, Nike, Visa among those, and it's establishing a foothold in Hamilton with a new office on King Street East in Gore Park. This is pretty exciting. Uh, so the CEO's name is Daryl Heaps. He started the company in 2006 and said Hamilton will be home to their fifth office. Their other headquarters are in Toronto, New York City, London, and Copenhagen. It's funny, to, not maybe not funny, it's exciting. It's uh, it's amazing that Hamilton is in the same list as those other cities. Uh, so we have you know a great story to tell with this company. Um, they also looked at possible locations on the East Coast or outside of Canada, but Heap said that Hamilton boasted a number of qualities that gave it an edge. And he said, quote, we really like, uh, what we really like about Hamilton is its close proximity to Toronto, but a lower cost of living, lower cost of real estate. So another example of the lower prices here in comparison to Toronto winning the day in this regard. This is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. It's uh, I love that these companies are starting to make their push out towards Hamilton. I think it's going to be an onward trend. 
I think a lot of these real, uh, these commercial real estate developers in the downtown core are going to start seeing this. And they're going to start opening up uh, like office space, rentable office space for companies like this. And I think it's going to provide a big boost to the downtown core. Yeah, it's a great, uh, great local story, that's for sure. Still to come, when's the best time to sell your house and tips for selling your house in the winter? That and a whole lot more still to come here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin in with Dan Golfi, Lou Tellerico, and Jesse Mello. The trifecta today, their sales representatives with Remax's Cartman Realty, the Golfi team. You can call them anytime, 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. RobGolfi.com is the website. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. All over social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, check them out at Rob Golfi. If you have a question for the Golfi team or you have a topic idea that you would like us to tackle on a future program, send us an email, questions at robgolfi.com. Again, questions at robgolfi.com. When is the best time to sell your home? We are in the winter months, although it doesn't really feel like winter at this point in time. We've been rather blessed with uh, not a lot of precipitation, a couple of snowstorms, but that's pretty much it. Um, when's the best time to sell your home? What, before we get into this article, what's the first thing that jumps into your mind? Is it spring? Well, Rick, as, as we tell our clients um, on a regular basis, there's two great markets to sell your home in the calendar year, and that's mm-hmm. the spring market and the fall market. The spring market is t- traditionally between March, April, and May. Okay. And the fall market is the second best market, and that's partic- t- particularly between September and November. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now, we're going to head in. We're heading into the strongest market of the calendar year, which is the spring market. Okay. So it's a great time to sell your home. So why is it the best time? Is it because all the factors are aligning? We have a number of listings to choose from. The price points are the highest at this point of the year. What makes it the best? Well, for one, the 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 listings they show nicer in the spring. It's a little bit easier to show when there's not you know snowstorms and and weather conditions preventing people from going to see houses. But it's also when people start getting real estate on the brain, and we see a lot more activity from buyers in the market looking for for homes to buy. Um, so. If you're at that point, you know, if, if it's spring market, you're going to benefit from that high volume of people coming and going and looking for houses. But there is obviously a caveat to this. Um, the reverse happens right now. There's low inventory. So if you are someone who's selling in the winter months or, you know, a time that's less popular to sell, you're going up against less um, like less listings out there that are, you know, for sale. So you have an edge in being one of very few to choose from for buyers that are actively looking now. And, and like we've already mentioned we had a, a situation where there was 14 offers on a place in, at the beginning of January, right, right after New Year's. So there's still people looking. There's always always people looking. There isn't a bad time to sell. There's just times that might be a little bit more ideal. Mm-hmm. Dan, spring is where it's at. Yeah, spring's the always like the hottest market, right? But I think it it really comes down to to your needs as well, right? If you're looking at you know if you're relocating for a job, if you got to move closer to family, right? Uh, I see a lot of people right now where they're selling now. It's low inventory. They're getting a premium dollar for their house. Put a long closing date on it, and then purchase in the spring when there's a lot more to choose from. Mm-hmm. Right. So that isn't an, un- an uncommon 
you know, way to go about it. But I do think that spring is the best market. And it has statistically over the past, you know, seven to 10 years, it's been the hottest time to sell. Spring also popular because uh, more often than not, uh, you know, for families looking to sell, they're looking towards the school year, maybe in the fall. You know, if we put our house up for sale now, uh, we'll be ready by the summer to move and our kids will be fine for the school year. Is that a big factor as well? Yeah, 100%. That's a contributing factor is that whole thing about worrying about your kids. So if you can move in the spring and your closing date's probably going to be in like July. So they want to move in the summer where mm-hmm. the kids are off and then they're ready to go for the next semester in September. Yeah. So we see that typically, but like, like we've talked about right now, um, like, you know, here we are in uh, the end of January and it, it is a great time. If you're thinking of selling your home and want to get the most money, depending on the type of home in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. you are primed to get top dollar for your home right now. If you give us a call and you want to discuss your home, Free market evaluations like we've discussed in the past, um, no, no issues at all. 905-575-7700. If you uh, have that uh, itch to put your house up on the market, call the Golfie team today. Go online to robgolfie.com. So these uh, four factors to consider when the best time to sell your home. One of them is take seasonality into account. So this is uh, some data out of the U.S. that says spring is still the busiest time for selling a home. They found that the time period from May to June accounts for a whopping 40% of annual sales volume, with June being the busiest month overall. And I think maybe that's in terms of moving. Um, in contrast, November to February were found to be the months uh, with the fewest sales. The other factor is think about your local markets. And this is interesting. It says it's important to take a look at the trends that are occurring uh, in your local real estate market. So if you were to think about trends in this market, uh, what's trending? What is happening that people should be considering? Right now, it's the inventory problem, Yeah. right? It's just the lack of inventory out there, depending on your style of house and the area of your house. There are areas that do have, you know, a lot of two-story, four-bedroom houses for sale, you know, 23 to 2,700 square feet. You know, those maybe not as much. But if you're looking for a mountain bungalow or uh, a house in the East End or something downtown, you know, there's nothing really available right now. So it is going to put a pressure on pricing and, mm-hmm. you know, have it increase. Uh, another factor, consider your home's condition. I think there's always that internal battle from a homeowner to, you know, should I, should I update something? Should I change something? Should I redo the kitchen? Um Talk about those experiences. Do you have those discussions with homeowners who are kind of battling that in in their brain? Yeah, you know, I had one uh, that just this recently uh, wanted to list her house, two story house in East Mountain, very good location, and we just listed her house. And before they listed, we agreed that giving it a fresh coat of paint at the very minimum oh, would help yeah. brighten it up. And uh, you know, so that just happened, and and literally we were getting a lot of showings, and we were expecting nice. a lot of offers on this pl- particular place. And it's a two-story, again, great location. Again, with the lack of inventory, there's nothing else around it for sale. Mm-hmm. It's getting a lot of activity. Jesse, you want to add something in there? Oh, no, no. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I thought you were giving me the thumbs. <laughs> no. Say, hey, no. I want to say something. No. Uh, don't forget to weigh personal factors. And Dan, you kind of alluded to this. Everyone is different. Everyone has a different story or a different reason to buy or sell a particular property. Yeah, like it, like we were talking before, you know, if you're if you want to keep your kids in the same school or you want to, you know, move and your kids are right in the middle of their school season, you don't want to take your kid out of school, yeah. you know, you know, in the middle of October, right, and move them to a new school and meet all new friends and everything, right? You want to make sure you can kind of align it up uh, and close, you know, right after June. That way, you know, move into the new house, settle in, and then uh, be on to the new school year. Mm-hmm. Uh, next topic, tips for selling your home in the winter. And this is uh, always uh, an interesting conundrum because there's several factors, including the weather. And uh, one of the key recommendations is you really want to highlight your house and not everything that is around it. So 
you know, clearing snow and ice, making sure garbage bins are out of the way. Uh, indoors, make sure it's very bright. We don't get a lot of sun in the winter because it's either cloudy or snowy or, or whatever the case is. Uh, making sure it's a bright space. Paints could do that job as well. But, you know, window treatments and all that kind of stuff uh, goes a long way as well, right? Yeah, no, 100%. Sorry, uh, Jesse. Uh, I, again, with this house that I just listed, we made sure that all the blinds, you know, open up. The, the, the light colors, because that's some dark colors. So you've got the light colored paint, mm -hmm. open up the blinds, and let the, the light that's coming in is, is coming in. So, yeah, that's a big factor in making sure it, uh, it stands out and giving it that bright, you know, uh, natural light effect. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that most people don't do, and I, and I found interesting, is uh, the ability, if you put a floodlight up against your house, if you have a beautiful house, right? Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it gets dark early. It gets dark 5 o'clock, yeah, 5.30. Yeah. If you put a floodlight out lighting up the front of your house, one, it makes it easier for the buyers and their agents coming through showing the house and you can actually see the house a lot better. A lot of the times you buy in the winter and then you show up for the home inspection on, you know, Saturday morning and you've, it's the first time you've really seen it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was just uh, literally just about to say that, you know, when it gets darker out, curb appeal is a major factor in someone's decision making to buy a house. So when you want, uh, you don't want to miss out on the opportunity to display your house in its, in its best light. Um, you know, it gets dark so early now that you don't want someone to walk up to your house, pitch black, open the door, have to turn on all the lights. So turn on everything, turn on all the lights, turn mm -hmm. on the lights outside, and you'll get a, a better first impression for your house. How hard is the curb appeal aspect in the winter months? Because as we mentioned, it gets dark early. A lot of the showings are probably at night, uh, maybe some of the weekend when you can see it during the day. But that curb appeal, how how advantageous or disadvantageous is it during the winter because it does get dark early? Yeah, and what I've done to, to counter that to a degree is some of my properties are obviously unique and they're larger and whatnot. So we've produ uh, produced pictures uh, from the from the last summer or from, from good temperature weather. Right. And we've left them kind of on the table so people can kind of have an idea of what those are and uh, get a, a feeling of what that property would look like mm -hmm. in better temperatures and better weather. So if it's the fall months and you're looking at selling during the winter, take the pictures during the fall or even during the summer, you can showcase those pictures during you know, the listing period. Yeah, yeah, especially if you have like a pool even, like a pool is a big one. You, it, you don't want it to be covered by snow and then people don't know there's a, right. a pool there, right? It's a good uh, selling feature. And uh, Rob and Phil always joke about this. Don't have, when you're taking pictures of the pool, don't have the kids jumping in the pool while you're taking the pictures, right? <laughs> no. yeah. What a nice serene kind of landscape. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this uh, I thought this was an interesting story. Not a single major Canadian real estate market is a buyer's market. Uh, the Canadian Real Estate Association draw uh, data shows that sales to new listings ratio increased across the country in December. So this is just for December. The rising ratios made for an unusual month. Not a single major real estate market across Canada is a buyer's market. Uh, is this surprising? Is this just where we're going because house prices have inflated over the last number of months? Yeah, you know what? To me, it's not surprising. Um, one of the things that's getting overlooked, and I don't think it's mentioned in the article, is that for a long time, a lot of these Canadian cities have been overlooked and people haven't really heard of them. But, you know, Canada as a country is, you know, it, it's a great place to do business. It's a great place to raise a family. Um, it's, a, it's a great place to get education. So in terms of like the foreign buyer aspect, Canada is prime real estate for, for these people. And part of the reason why we've had a major run-up is for so long... People just haven't heard of us. We've been undervalued. Uh, if there was an index for the average price of, um, you know, uh, major city real estate, Canada for sure a couple of years back would have been totally undervalued by those metrics. Yeah. So, 
So I think that's why we've had, uh, you know, a ru- one of the reasons we had a run up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ratio is, uh, or if the ratio is above 60, it's a seller's market uh, where prices generally rise. If it's below 40, it's a buyer's market where prices generally fall. Uh, between 40 and 60, the market is priced right for the demand at that time. Are we in that 40 to 60 range? Is it? Is it? Are we priced right right now? For the uh, most part, on yeah, average? Yeah, like we talked about earlier, I mean, right now, it's a unique kind of little um, moment in time where the, the prices are going to see pressure to move up. Right. That, that may, They may calm down, actually, in the spring while there's more listings that come up. Uh, but right now, we're seeing people, again, getting more than asking. Uh, I had one last week that uh, we listed it, and we got $31,000 over with eight offers on it for a semi-detached home in East Hamilton. So, hmm. I mean, it just depends on the new, on the neighborhood for right now, but we're seeing a lot of good activity for, for buyers looking for properties, but not a lot of listings to show them. So right. that's the that's the problem right now. Right. Again, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if a home is priced right and there's a willing buyer, it's going to go, right? For no sure. matter what the city. Yeah, and what's happening is people are actually pushing the market now. They'll look at the comparables and then they'll go, there's nothing out there, right? And they'll push the market a bit, and that's what kind of puts us on that upward trend. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, another story, real estate agent suspended after fa- uh, failing to tell buyers he was selling properties owned by his wife. So I thought we'd talk about, uh, you know, making sure you vet your real estate agents. You know, interview a bunch of people. Don't just go with the first person you see. How important is it to ask you guys questions when, you know, prospective clients are meeting with you? It's very important, especially in this situation here. What happened was he actually represented the buyer for the house as well. Mm-hmm. He was, and he was making warranties against this house, right? And did not tell that buyer that the seller was his wife, yeah. right? So it's uh, it's a tough spot that he's in right now. Definitely. He also, I mean, he's, he's admitted to the wrongdoing. There was a point where, uh, you know, he listed the furnaces and um, the air conditioners as newer, but they were 23 and 25 years old. <laughs> One of the furnaces had a crack in the cell. Uh, so he, at the end of the day, has received a 12-month suspension uh, from the real estate board. He was ordered to take and pass all modules of the Manitoba Real Estate uh, Salesperson course and pay costs of almost $15,000. Um, when you guys are meeting with prospective clients, what are some of the questions they volley at you? What are they asking you? How much can I get for my house? Yeah, <laughs> yeah primarily, I was about to say, mostly it mostly has to do with uh, the, yeah, the value of the house. Uh, what, you know, what is your commission that you charge? Things of that nature. And then we ask a series of questions to kind of interview them about the house because we want to know about these things and we don't want to make warranties about certain things to do with the property without seeing evidence. So, right, yeah. you know, if you say you have a new furnace, well, can we see a, you know, a receipt or can we see something to prove that it's, you know, that, that age? Because we don't want to, you know, and, and that's what this guy did. You know, he, he kind of made warranties without kind of having the s- solid proof. And then to add to the fact, he had an invested interest in these properties with his wife being the seller mm-hmm. and you got to disclose everything and you got to make sure it's accurate. Yeah. You know, you, one of the biggest factors that we talk about with what clients seem to be looking for in their realtor today is someone that they can trust. It's a prized possession that they have yeah. and they don't want to just hand it over to anyone that they don't really know. So things like the integrity of, of the agent and the brokerage that they represent, and those are important factors and we know that. So I think with the Rob Golfie and the program and the marketing that he does to get people to understand that his um, you know, agents are all, you know, full-time agents with lots of integrity. Mm-hmm. We, have any, we have five-star reviews everywhere you look. So I think people already kind of do their homework today on right. getting the background of who their realtor is going to be. And that's why we seem to have some success here in Hamilton uh, for that matter. Right. Niagara. But you need to use the power of Google, right? You got to search your, your yeah. realtor who you're working with, you know, to make sure you no know, articles like these come up.
Yeah. <laughs> so it's basically not that, uh, you know, a person who's, who's thinking about listing their house will say, hey, I'll, I'll check out Rob Golfie and then I'll check this real estate agent and then I'll check this person. It's not really a face-to-face interview. It's more of the research online and the background and all that stuff, that's and it. then they'll approach you guys. Yeah, that, to make sure, you make sure it's the right yep. fit too personally, right? Because yeah. that's the person you're going to be dealing with. Yeah. Uh, hey, it makes a lot of sense, especially with the, you know, the biggest investment that people have made uh, throughout their lives. Um, this is also an interesting topic as well. It comes from, I think the website is Million Acres. Three crazy ways that real estate could change in the next decade. Uh, one of them being sales commissions. And you guys must, you know, you watch these commercials or you see these kind of articles with, uh, you know, commissions. Uh, you know, there's there's a commercial on right now, you know, why pay commission and people are freaking out. Uh, but there's something that goes along with it. You are providing a service as well. It's not just, you know, here's a website and here's a bunch of listings and now uh, that's it. There, there's, a ser- there's a lot of service and a lot of uh, representation and accountability that goes along with what you guys do, correct? Yeah, people don't understand what kind of goes on like behind the scenes, you know, and involved in selling a house, all the moving parts and the negotiation power too, right? Just selling your house yourself, you leave thousands and thousands of dollars on the table without having your interest protected. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's it's definitely very important. It's a lot of work as well. Uh, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll get into the other uh, crazy ways real estate could change in the next decade. Uh, when we come back here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Homeward bound, I wish I was homeward bound. Home, when my thoughts are escaping home, when my music's playing home, when my love lies waiting silently Welcome back. This is the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin in studio today with Dan Golfie, Lou Tallarico, and Jesse Mello, sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. Online, robgolfie.com is the website. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call them anytime at 905-575-7700 at Rob Golfie on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And download the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We've been talking about uh, some of the crazy ways that real estate could change in the next decade. This is a blog on, uh, I think the website is Million Acres. One of them is 6% sales commissions will seem ridiculous uh, in the not too distant future. That might be the case. Another one, real estate agents could become nearly extinct. And again, they're pointing to the online, I guess, phenomenon of buying and selling homes. Um, I don't know. It seems scary to me. I don't don't even buy shoes online or clothes (laughs) online. I want to try it out. I want to see it. I want to feel it. Uh, for a house, I'd be scared scared to buy something online. Going back to the, what we just said in the last segment about it's your biggest investment ever you've made in your yeah. life. And you could be in a position of selling something that, again, you don't have the expertise. You think you know your house and you do, but your expertise in negotiating the best house price for yourself mm-hmm. may, be some sort, may, may not happen. Yeah. So why not get someone who's doing that every day? full-time and use the services of a realtor. I mean, we're not just here trying to plug ourselves, but yeah. it's something that we've seen happen with people using, you know, their own, um, you know, the, the, the people who can sell their homes themselves and have issues trying to sell their house, leaving money on the table or forgetting to put in clauses that protect themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge out there today and you just gotta be very careful. Yeah, a lot of people, you know what I see is is when when the real estate transaction goes extremely right, people start to say, well, that that seemed really easy. That, the real, that was the really real easy. Great. I could have done this myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah <right>? exactly. Well, <laughs> if you've ever been part of a transaction that went bad, uh, let me tell you, you, you better have a real estate agent or someone who's been through that process on your side because it can be like incredibly... Um, 
uh, murky waters to kind of trek through because yeah. there's so many different moving parts and you really want to have an expert, someone with an education and an experience in that field. Right. And it's all about peace of mind too. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Peace of mind will go a long way in that regard. I mean, I can just imagine sleepless nights, someone trying to sell their own house, thinking about what all the what ifs, because there's so many different variables that go into it, whether it's, you know, forgetting clauses or how am I going to market this thing on my own? Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into selling a house. Yeah, a lot of it's liability too, right? With these with these tech companies that are coming out, you know, promoting selling your house yourself online, you know, you're providing your own warranties and everything on it. You're, you know, you might not know everything about that property and you're buying this house sight unseen just through photos, right? You need somebody to bring you through there. You need somebody to guide you through that process. Mm -hmm. Not everybody knows how to walk through a house and look for the right things. When we go through, we look at the furnace, we look at the windows, the roof, right? We look at everything involved in there. A buyer walking through a house walks in and they're just looking at, you know, the curtains, the paint colors, (laughs) the the kitchen cabinets. So uh, you do need somebody kind of directing you and, you know, protecting your investment and your interests. Yeah. I can just imagine you guys probably get uh, flooded with a bunch of questions from people who are buying and selling. Uh, If you're doing that yourself or using a website, do you just go to the FAQ section and and figure out, you know, how to do it yourself? I mean, I just can't imagine how they go about doing this. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have done it themselves and they, you know, they were successful. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, there's probably even more people that have done it themselves, ended up in a lawsuit or left hundreds of thousands on the table. Well, it's pretty sad. Uh, The most interesting part of this article, and maybe the the only part that I think might happen is probably and will happen is houses will get smaller. So bear with me here. Over the past century or so, there's been a clear trend toward bigger and bigger homes. The average new home in 1920, and this is U.S. based, it's probably uh, very similar to what's happening in Canada. So the average size of a home in 1920 was just over 1,000 square feet, 1,048 square feet. In 1975, the median home had 1,500 square feet of living space. In 2018, the median was 23, nearly 2,400 square feet, 128% larger than in 1920. So it may seem ridiculous to expect this trend to reverse. However, the bigger is better trend could start to taper off for two main reasons. This uh, author says resource conservation and home affordability. Obviously, the bigger the house, the more it's going to be. But the resource conservation as well, there's, you know, an appetite to be more environmentally friendly or cost conscious when it uh, when it comes to, you know, energy use. Are we seeing a trend towards smaller homes. What do you guys think? I think so. I think the trend is moving that way already. I think even within, you know, the city of Hamilton and the new developments, you're starting to see, you know, you'll see, you know, a block of, you know, 50, you know, larger 2,500 square foot houses, but then you'll see five blocks of these skinny three-story townhouses Mm -hmm. that are, you know, 1,500 square feet. So it definitely is uh, moving that way. And I think the pressure on population, too, with a growing city and a growing market, that's naturally going to happen. Right. We see the millennials want that less, uh, you know, the the low-maintenance kind of space. Condos, obviously, go hand-in-hand with that. Um, We've also seen a rush, maybe not in this area, of the tiny tiny homes, like the really tiny homes. (laughs) Um, Could this be the next generation of... You know, the, the, the Generation Z or whatever they called I mean, uh, after the millennials? Yeah, yeah, in certain areas, they're going to become popular for sure. I mean, I don't know how that's going to work kind of in, in, in the major cities, those really tiny homes. Yeah. But, but yeah, like, I mean, 
the small the smaller another thing going back to the the major cities aspect uh, the major cities aspect about like the high demand for them a lot of people will sacrifice on the size of their home to have closer proximity to their work or maybe right. they'll have closer proximity to certain um, shops and stores that they view as amenities like features of their house like maybe I live near a park and mm-hmm. you know that's that's kind of the trend we're seeing All right, when we come back, we'll talk a little uh, royalty. Uh, Megan and Harry looking for a spot uh, potentially here in Canada. That's next here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Let's go around here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin in studio today with Dan Golfi, Lou Tallarico, and Jesse Mello, their sales representatives with REMAX Escarpment Realty, the Golfi team. They're online at robgolfi.com. Call them at 905-575-7700, at Rob Golfi on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and download the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Past episodes on robgolfi.com and 900chml.com. If you have a topic idea or a question for the Golfi team, you can send them an email questions at robgolfie.com that's questions at robgolfie.com one of the biggest stories in this country uh, well maybe not one of the biggest maybe one of the most interesting is that uh, prince harry and his wife Meghan markle and their son archie are looking to canada for a uh, a new start and uh, a financially independent start from uh, their royal lives so they have uh, vacationed in the vancouver uh, slash victoria area in bc over the christmas holidays they loved it so much so they want to take a step back from their royal duties quote unquote uh, and want to be financially independent and are looking at canada as a second kind of part-time home uh, for some thoughts Imagine having these guys as your clients. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I mean, they're going amazing, from yeah. Windsor Castle and Buckingham yeah. Palace to... Windsor, here. Ontario. Well, not quite. Windsor, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think Windsor it's amazing Ontario. that you can actually just get up and quit your family. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. How does that work? I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's definitely interesting. It's awesome that they're looking into Canada. It just uh, yeah. shows a lot about our country and a lot about the culture here. So I'm hands off to them for, for yeah. choosing us. Would, would you want them as a client? Oh, of course. <laughs> Who wouldn't want Are that you just publicity? thinking about the commission? Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, well, a little bit, a little bit. But it'd be good publicity as well. Yeah. We gotta, I think we got to make a pitch for them to come to Hamilton, though. That'd be amazing. we gotta, we got to write a letter or something, a royal. Put them at Dundurn Castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah Dundurn. <laughs> we got a castle here. It's perfect for you. Yeah. We're nice and quiet. Great night. Easy commute to Toronto. Yeah, it won't be a, a huge bunch yeah. of uh, culture change. Yeah. Right? So yeah. There, uh, there's an article in Toronto Star. It's pretty funny uh, that they've kind of scoped out some potential spots for them, one of them being uh, in uh, BC. It's a community of uh, called Anmore, BC, of 2,200 people. The listing price is six and a half million, which I mean they can afford that in their sleep. But it's uh, just over 8,200 square feet. It's a one-hour drive from downtown Vancouver, so pretty close to the Vancouver airport. Uh, as I mentioned, a quiet community of 2,200 people. They want that uh, kind of seclusion from uh, you know the hustle and bustle of uh, society and the paparazzi and, and whatnot. But the home uh, features a built-in Tesla charging stations, plural, 46 solar panels, and a view of the North Shore Mountains. Uh, it's a pretty uh, you know, sweet uh, property. There's another one in North Vancouver, B.C. The listing price is $9.7 million. It's a waterfront property. Uh, and North Vancouver is a short 15-minute sea bus trip from downtown Vancouver. So, again, they can just 
hop on the C bus, get to the airport, fly to the UK if they want to do that as well. Uh, and the other one being in Toronto, which uh, actually there's two of them in Toronto. This one is in the Forest Hill area, North Toronto neighborhood, very popular, very pricey. Uh, they apparently have friends in this area. And uh, one realtor says this particular home features an indoor tennis court, an indoor saltwater pool, and marble staircase, not to mention an underground eight-car garage. The last one being uh, in uh, the Bridal Path area of Toronto. Again, very pricey, $16.9 million for this property. It's a gated community known for its expansive two-acre lots and is home to uh, some of Canada's most famous residents, including Drake. Uh, and this particular home, it's 14,000 square feet, 11 bedrooms, uh, is no stranger to royalty, once owned by Prince, the former wow. musician. So that might wow. be a, a, a unique spot. But being close to Toronto might be advantageous for them if they're hopping back and forth in the UK. It saves them another six-hour flight to yeah. if, if they're living in Vancouver. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they actually, you know, bought a place in Vancouver and in Toronto. That'd be, that that'd could be, be an option, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be close to, if you're it. in Vancouver, you're close to Hollywood. <laughs> she can still pursue acting if she yeah. wants to do that. Uh, but in Toronto, that would be uh, interesting. But, but I mean, with our proximity to the, the Hamilton Airport, which is, again, give them a private kind of airport feel and yeah. kind of coming in out there quickly, that might be an option. Some, you know, we have some properties in this area and some of the rural areas of Hamilton. Mm -hmm. That would be potentially perfect for them. So if they're listening right now, <laughs> I'm give sure us a are. call. Yeah. They've downloaded the podcast. I mean, come <laughs> on. Um, so how would you approach uh, not necessarily a prince and, you know, Megan and their son, but someone who's looking at an ultra-luxury property in this area? There's not much to choose from in comparison to Toronto or Vancouver, obviously. But how would you go about, you know, recommending where they should look, what they should be looking for, what the city has to offer for them? Uh, biggest thing is culture, right? Is you know, is experiencing the place that they're they're looking to live. You know, look, checking into you know the local communities, local areas. Mm -hmm. You know, seeing how they would fit in that community because you wanna you wanna like where you live. Yeah, well, yeah, that's definitely. I mean, they might not be as concerned about the commute because I'm, I'm I'm assuming they have a driver. And they're just in the back seat and doing, you know, right. whatever, looking at the landscape. <laughs> yeah, with these property sizes, I'm surprised they don't have their own runway. <laughs> yeah, well, that might be an option, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I'm not sure if they're going to land in Toronto or Vancouver. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how they how they do. But uh, I didn't think of Hamilton or Dundurn Castle or any of these until you guys brought it up. But the, why not? There's, a, there's actually an old house in Ancaster that was used for royal visits to really? the area. And Ancaster at the time was kind of like an energy powerhouse for Ontario because of our waterfalls. Right. So we used mills to power it and create a lot of electricity. So it was, uh, it was a really popular spot. And when royalty would come and visit, they'd come and stay at this one particular house on Sulphur Springs in Ancaster. Interesting. It's really interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a, a listing soon to come to the golf yeah, team. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Harry and Megan moving to Hamilton. Wouldn't that be a story? <laughs> Guys, we've got to run. Thanks you for coming in. Uh, great show as always. Again, if you have a question for the Golfy team, email questions at robgolfie.com, online at robgolfie.com, and call them anytime at 905-575-7700. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Real Estate Show. We are back next Saturday at 9 on 900 CHML.